I know uh, Matt and I have been really excited about catching up with you. We messaged you about a month ago. You've been and busy. We're, we're excited to finally get you in the room uh, to talk about Severance. Um, what a show. What a score. Before we get to Severance, though, uh, Teddy Shapiro joining us here on More Score. Um, I wanted to ask you about the Yellow Jackets story because I'm a little confused. Yeah. Um, I was on the Showtime FYC app catching up on some shows that I'm behind on, and it said that you were eligible, and I was like, I didn't know Teddy was a part of that, but I guess you scored the pilot. Can you explain sure. how that happened and what the, the process was? I think it was back in 2019. Yeah, yeah I mean, oh, man. if, if, if anybody can remember that long ago. Um, yeah, I, so so I, um, <laughs> you know, I, I've collaborated a, a lot of times with Karin Kusama, who um, directed the pilot and who was a producer on the show. And, um, so she asked me to, to, to work on the show and I was thrilled. And I, you know, I thought that the, the script, um, for the pilot was amazing and, and had an amazing time working on the show. It was really exciting. I got to collaborate with Caroline Shaw, who is one of my favorite musicians in the world to work with and working with her is always just an incredible thrill and privilege. Um, and the pilot, I think went, went really well. Unfortunately, um, just by the time they greenlit the show, uh, I was already on to, you know, it was not a situation where they greenlit the whole series. So, so, uh, by the time they greenlit the show, I was already on to a mm-hmm. bunch of other projects and, um, I just wasn't able to continue. And I, I don't really, um, I don't really love, um, you know, having my name on something, but farming things out to other writers, that's, it's just not a, that's something that some composers do really well. I find it really difficult. And, um, and so I just would rather let somebody else do the work and be properly credited for it than, um, than, than try to try to. Can I ask then about that process and handing that kind of over to, um, Craig Wedron and uh, Craig and Anna, and, uh, yeah, yeah uh, we're on Kerr. I always say that wrong. Um, I know yeah. that kind of took over doing the music there. What is the transition like for a project like that? It's a pretty beefy, you know, once this is greenlit, it's a pretty beefy project. Yeah. I assume they want to keep some of the musical elements that are in there, but also maybe start to do a little of their own thing as well. But what's the transition yeah. like for something like that? Because there's a well, lot of creative parts. Yeah, well, so fortunately, Craig is one of my closest friends. So, so, okay. um, so right off the bat, th- that is uh, that's an easy transition on a personal level, um, right off the bat. And um, so, we, uh, I, I sent Craig, you know, all of, obviously all of the music that I'd written, and then all of, all of the stems of the um, uh, Caroline Shaw. Um, had come out and we did an improvisational pre-record session where she did a bunch of vocals and a bunch of strings. And um, so I sent all of that to Craig as well um, so that they would have the ability to, to use the material that I had created. And um, I, uh, unfortunately I haven't been able to watch the rest of the show yet. Um, but, but I've heard some of the stuff from the soundtrack, which, which is material that I wrote um 
and so so I know that I know they've been using at least some of it, um, and uh, and ho- hopefully hopefully the material from the pilot has has lived on and had a had a happy life. Is that a daunting thing for a composer to come in? I mean, this is almost I'm asking you the question from the opposite perspective from here. his perspective. But yeah, when you are taking on something that someone else has kind of got started, and you need to catch up, and then you need to kind of take over, and then grab the wheel, and you're you're driving this. Is that um, yeah. Is that difficult? I mean, I think it is unless you I mean, I think that that Craig watched the pilot and he was like, oh, this is great. And I know, well, what I would like to do with it, Um, you know, and so and I I feel like in situations where I've had a similar experience, um, you know, that has been the thing that makes it possible. You know, you you watch it and you think. Oh, okay. I've got a take on this, and and um, and then you I mean it would be really hard if you came into something and your thought was, well, this is perfect, and I just want to do that. Um, that would not be a good and it creative be fun. Thing. Yeah. yeah, it wouldn't. Be fun. Um, so so you know, I think that Craig found <laughs> his found his lane and and uh, went down. Um, I know I want to get into severance stuff, Kenny, if you want to jump into a little bit of that. I know you have, it sounds like you might have a little bit of a delay. <laughs> yeah. What else is new <laughs> for some reason? I do. I'm working with a little bit of a delay. So sorry if I step on you guys. Um, Teddy, when we talked to you a couple years ago on Score the Podcast, we talked about uh, your incredible work in comedies. And we talked a little bit about like how in this industry, it's easy to get pigeonholed into certain types of genres and stuff. And you've worked with a uh, ben Stiller on a ton of great projects, um, hilarious stuff in the past. And this particular project, though, Severance, is for me, uh, I saw Ben Stiller was directing. I fired it up, and it, it caught me completely off guard. It was very unique and different, and, and your music really, really helps tell this story. Uh, I'm wondering, first off, how was the, the project presented to you, and were you surprised at the the direction Ben went? Well, I wasn't at all surprised at the direction that Ben went. You know, I mean, if you watch Escape from Danamora, um, which was in his excellent Showtime series, I mean, it, I mean, first of all, just knowing Ben, it's clear that he, he has a lot of varied interests as a, as a creator. And so, um, you know, no, nothing surprises me in terms of where he wants to go and, and what he wants to do next. Um, and, um, you know, Ben contacted me in at the end of 2019, um, and he told me about the show and it sounded amazing, you know, just instantly such a incredible idea, you know, so clear and simple and immediately understandable and, and raised so many questions just, just by hearing the concept alone. Um, and, uh, so, I mean, I, I, I was in instantly and, um, and so we, we, you know, he sent me scripts and we just got into it. Are you, do you have to uh, demo for him at this stage or when he calls you, is it like a done deal? He's like, you're my guy. Yeah. How's that work? Is there a process of finding it? I mean, it's not an audition. Um, it, you know, when he calls and says, you want to do this? No, I mean, we've, we've have a lot of, we have a lot of history at this point. So, so no, I don't have to demo for him. Um, but 
you know, but, but what we did do is just, I started writing material, um, and starting coming up with suites and themes and, uh, and ideas just, just to start the conversation. And, um, you know, that, that led us down a long path of, 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 of getting to the sound of the show. There's a question often at Kenny, I'll, I want to ask about the music for this. You came in at script level, basically we're reviewing at story level, maybe even at some, some parts do the musical conversations start, um, at that level. Do you have the, I guess the luxury and sometimes the burden, but in this case, probably luxury of avoiding the whole temp music situation. Um, or is there something still that gets cut in that's kind of, you know, for the editor maybe or, or something else? Um, how does that kind of work, your music along through the process? Yeah, so so I, I was very intent on avoiding temp music. Uh, and, uh, and, and that's something that I like to do whenever possible. So I, I wrote... Um, I wrote a, a, a large library of music um, for the show for the music editor and picture editor to work with oh, so that we never really had to chase uh, temp music. Uh, and then, you know, and fortunately, um, you know, we just la we landed on something that sounded like the show to the point that. Um, I think that there were like there was like one time where um, where something that wasn't of the show was cut in and it was just wrong. You know, it just it, like everybody was like, nope, that's not that's not it. Um, and so uh, <laughs> it it was really it was really a, a great process for all of us, I think that the music was really part of the palette of the show from the very, very beginning. It, it makes a lot of extra work. For, for the composer, but, you know, as it happened, um, you know, the show was set to go into production, I believe in, in April of 2020. So, so it got shut down by the pandemic and that opened up this sort of this very long space of time um, in which I could be just writing, writing themes, talking to Ben, exploring, seeing what worked. Oh, and then, cool. you know, that was the period in which we found the main theme and, um, and really started zeroing in on that as, as the thing that we were going to build from. There are a lot of directors that almost <laughs> kind of feel the music at the story level. And there's some that, that, you know, story first, you know, maybe characters first music kind of comes secondarily to augment some of those things. I'm curious about kind of the balance that you found in the show, because there's a lot of music minute watt, you know, in, in terms of how much you have to create. Um, but I'm curious whether, whether your early talks with Ben had that in mind, or if that's something that maybe, you know, what we find a lot of composers will kind of push for, because it, it makes this feel a lot more robust. You know, it's funny. I, I mean, I think that, I think that my initial instinct and Ben's was that was that we would want music to not be in all the time, you know, that we wouldn't want it to just be ever present, but that when it was in, we wanted it to make a statement. Yeah. And um, and, you know, up up until the last episode of the show, that is really how it functions. Um, you know, and then we made this decision about episode nine that we were going to through compose that that episode and make it feel like a single piece of music. 
um, or try. And um, so, so yeah, so that, that, that was always, that was always the approach. And yeah, there's a decent, you know, there's a decent amount of music in the show. Um, but, you know, we're not, we're not just underscoring every dialogue scene just so that there's music there. There's a lot of things that play dry. Yeah. It's not star Wars or <laughs> no. Right. Like yeah. Right. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Um, Kenny, go for it. We'll give you a second to catch up. Um, with the with the main theme, I I love the decision of you know the solo piano. To me, the characters, even though they're kind of in a place together, they they always felt very alone and kind of in their own head. Mm-hmm. Um, was solo piano? Did that just come right to you? Did you work out bigger orchestral things? And and also, I wonder if the pandemic played any role in like the number of instruments you used in the score. Does that did that affect anything decision wise? Uh, that's an easy one. No, not at all. I mean, we, we we were really just guided by what what the sound of the show should be. Um, uh, but you know, we got to solo piano a little bit in a in a sideways way, which was when I was exploring themes um early on uh you know i was i was messing around with some electronic stuff and we were still kind of both of our first thoughts was was to explore um like the idea of a dichotomy in any world and an outie world and and so i was you know i was i was messing around with a, a lot of electronics and I had written this suite that um, that had a it had like a B section. It was like sort of, you know, just like a secondary idea, Um, electronic kind of beat driven. And um, I flew um, I flew to New York to meet with Ben uh, in February of 2020. Um, And, you know, and, and we were listening to a lot of the material that I had generated from the end of 2019 up until that point, um, just to sort of talk about it and, and go over things. And, um, and he kept coming back to this B section and I was like, you know what, this is a good, interesting chord progression. And I, you know, and he's responding to it in some way. So I should just sort of see if I can expand on that idea. And um, pretty soon after I got home from, from New York, uh, you know, I just sat down at the piano and I put my hands on the keys and pretty much just started playing the opening chord progression of the main title, sort of as you hear it in the main title. And uh, 
And it was like, it was sort of like my hands told me what to do, you know, where like it, it happened and I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Like that would be a different approach that would, it's not about the, you know, sci-fi aspect of the show. It's about sort of the mystery of the show and um, kind of mystery and lonely isolation and alienation. And, and uh, so I... Took you know I, I and th and then at that point I wrote the melody that 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 goes with it, um, and I was felt really good about it and I sent it to Ben and I was super excited to hear back from him and then I got nothing for like uh, weeks and weeks like and I was like oh man that's a bummer because like I thought that I was onto something and then finally like one day he called he was like oh I just listened to this thing like this is really great um and so so that was so that was great so then armed with with that you know affirmation i started thinking like okay what else can i do with that and then just began a process of you know spinning it out and um varying it and doing super simple versions and doing more complicated versions and um you know and, and that that was kind of how it was born and and at a certain point, we started talking about the main title sequence, and I took the original two and a half piece of music that I'd written and turned it into a minute and a half version, and and that became that became the music for the main title. I don't know if I'm necessarily kind of projecting what I know about the story now onto the music, but one of the things that is so cool about the way that the piano plays in this, and especially like you see it right in the opening titles, where there's all kinds of orchestration that kind of grows, you know, throughout the opening title. But the piano is just so clear and distanced from all of that. And like there is a, a sense of this kind of isolation in in what the main melody is there. Did you know going yep. in that that was going to be, you know, kind of a, a, a feeling that should be part of this identity? No. OK. I mean, it, it really <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't know going in. I did not. Um, think I gotta, I gotta get here and, and go there. It re it really truly was a thing where I, you know, I was messing around at the piano and I, you know, and I guess my intuition just brought me to that, to that idea. And then, but then of course, um, you know, I credit Ben with, with having, you know, the, the, the excellent intuition that he always has, um, to identify that as as the right sound for the show, um, you know, I, I was excited about it, but um, but you know, I, I'm always grateful to work with him because I trust him so much, and um, you know, and, and really, his responding to that material was was what made it possible. The other part of this too is the mystery element that you touched on, um, and kind of finding a little bit more of a, a musical momentum, I guess, in the mystery. This is a yeah. show that unwraps slowly. And so yeah. it gives you little information and you kind of you give the the audience, you know, they kind of have to put two and two together a few times throughout the show. And I always think that, I mean, some of the greatest shows in history do that really well. And they allow yeah. you to put something together. And there's a real eureka moment that comes from that once you have a realization. Yes. But um, you also read the script starting out yeah so you were maybe at the advantage or disadvantage that's this is my question um of knowing where those twists went and when a new piece of information was delivered what 
that how that you know changed the dynamic um and you read the script very early on so i'm curious about like some of those little moments where something important happens and you know a, a realization is being communicated were you trying to emphasize some of those moments or kind of what was your how do you maintain the ability to make those impactful yeah i mean <clears throat> There definitely are some twists and revelations um, that made us want to just ride the line between where we were saying something is happening here, but not but not tip too much of it. Um, and so, I mean, that was that was something that we really honestly just had to play around with. And, and, you know, I, I'm, I, I, I guess, I don't know if, I don't know if we're doing spoilers on this, on this show or not. I, I mean, the show's been out. A yeah, we time. can do, we can do spoil. If, you, if people can turn it off at this point or skip ahead. <laughs> turn it off now yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so like, for example, when it came to the identity of Miss Casey, yeah. um, you know, there, are, there are scenes where we see, I mean, the one in particular where we see, um, Adam Scott's character, Mark, passing Miss Casey on the long haul to the break room. And, you know, it's this heightened moment where they're looking at each other and something is happening. Um, and, you know, so so what do we do there? I mean, we, we, we wanted to heighten it as a moment without people being like, oh, that must be his dead wife. Um so, so it, it took a little massaging and, um, you know, and just sort of feeling out what, what, what felt right and not like too much. Kenny, I'll let you catch up <laughs> your um, lag with, yeah, I, I always wait and I have to wait and see, <laughs> um, with the music, it, it's kind of interesting because the show makes you feel uncomfortable, very uncomfortable at times. Um, and one of my favorite uses of music is when you're thrown for a complete loop and, and the labor of love cue, you have this mysterious piano music. And then all of a sudden you're hit with this Island vibe kind of, it, it, it really makes you feel like, what, how am I supposed to feel right now? What were your discussions <laughs> yeah. about that music being used at Lumen? And I, it must've been interesting. The idea being thrown at you, like what, what was that discussion? You know, it was always part of the part of the idea that there was going to be this this late 50s exotica jazz that would be part of the palette of the innies, this sort of very happy, happy sound of, of the innie world of, of Lumen. And um, I, you know, they had this this opening scene or, or the, not the opening scene, but but the walk from, um, you know, from the elevator to MDR for the first time where he's walking down these long corridors. And um, I feel like they, maybe they tried a piece of source music to start with, but it wasn't right. And I was like, I'll take it, you know, and because it was such a fun opportunity uh, to write something. And, and, you know, and I thought that maybe there was an opportunity to have something thematic um, for for the any world of Lumen. 
um, it was really a great opportunity to get my Mancini on and, um, and, you know, and, and I thought, um, you know, and in, in particular, an opportunity to write something that had a build um, within the sequence, you know, he, the, the characters just walking down hallways. So so the opportunity to uh, to really let a theme grow and and develop um, over the course of the walk down the hall was was, I thought, a, a good opportunity. Um, and then, of course. You know, there's so much interesting stuff happening. You know, he he's the character as he's walking down the hall um, is like he realizes that he's sniffling and he's got a Kleenex in his pocket and he doesn't know why. And, um, you know, there's so much interesting stuff that's happening. And um, so, you know, it, it also provided an opportunity to, to hit certain moments and, and emphasize beats. I always just think that this is a perfect example of what music can do to paint the picture, right? Cause this, this space they're walking through, it's not dark, it's not dim. Right. So, but it, but it's creepy. There's nothing on the walls. You could have right. easily made this feel scary or, or confusing. And instead it feels happy, but it's also kind of prisony looking like futuristic. So it really makes you feel uncomfortable because your eyes are seeing one thing. And if I was walking through that hall, I'd be like, where the heck am I? This is weird. But then you hear the music and you're like, oh, maybe I should feel comfortable. Um, it just that really shows the power of what music can do to with our eyes and ears to confuse us a little bit and make us feel weird. I, I just wanted to emphasize that. Did you ever go to the set? Um, I did. I mean, not not while they were in. I mean, by the time they were in production, it you know that it was it was in serious COVID protocol. So it, that was going to the set during production was not an option. But but I I I went to to um, when I went to New York in February of 2020, they were building the sets, and I was sort of able to see a little bit of what they were up to. But but um, but it was it was still it was still well before they started shooting. How long is the hallway? I'm just wondering. I mean, it's obviously a lot of camera tricks, but how many I halls were there? I don't know the answer, but like they built a lot. Like there's, they built a lot of hallway. I mean, I, like I saw some of the some of the plans for it. It looks like a lot of hallway. So, I mean, I think that throughout the show, <laughs> um, you know, I think that Ben's tastes are towards. Um, you know, shooting things, um, you know, that are real, you know, like all of the computer, I don't know if, if you've seen this in articles, but like all of the Lumen computers are actually functional. Um, and, you know, so, so he really likes to, to do things that way. And so I'm guessing that they built a lot of, a lot, a lot of feet of hallway. Um, one of the things I noticed in the score that uh, it, evolves but i notice like a clock sound and yeah. i'm wondering if that's just my interpretation of the percussion or were clocks on your mind um so i mean there's a lot of ticking um and it's you know they're they're not literal clocks but um you know i think in part because um you know the show does does take its time to for to reveal things um 
it definitely needed a sense of propulsion um, throughout and and just just for the viewer to be reminded that um, that all of these things are sort of headed in one direction and and so you know I think that the the propulsion you know in in a lot of episodes I think really helped to build a sense that that the show is kind of building towards something um, and maybe 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 helps helps things feel stitched together and not just you know floating or ponderous or or um, a collection of interesting scenes. The momentum's uh, driving a lot with that score, and it it feels like the 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 ticking the clock it it did something to me that it really helped create more intensity as the show got on. That's um, good. I mean. And, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll say that, you know, a, a really, no, a key player in all of this is um, my sound designer, Chris Lane, who he, he built me a lot of, um, he built me a lot of like a library of tickers. He built me a library oh, yeah. of percussive loops. <laughs> That's awesome. That, um, yeah. And, and, um, and, and then also, you know, particularly for for episode eight and nine, where things start to get really propulsive, this library of um, low percussive loops that could really drive action while sitting under dialogue. And, um, you know, that became a really critical feature of, of that music. And, um, and, and, and really, you know, it, they were, they were built with episode nine in mind, but, but really started to get seated through the, through the show early on. And, um, you know, a, a, a really important part of, of, of the musical palette. You, you've had a long relationship with Ben and you've worked in different types of genres, all of these things. Um, I, I know that his, his father passed away right yep. around the time that you guys started working on this. And yep. I was just curious, you know, my dad passed away during the pandemic and I found myself and the creative people often get a lot of creative inspiration when something, you know, close to home hits and you kind of need an outlet. And I'm just wondering if this experience working with Ben was different creatively or, you know, were you having to maybe be there for him a little bit during this process and, yeah. and going, this is a massive undertaking and, I mean, his dad was very much involved in, in the same industry and all that. Just how, how did that affect yeah. this go around with Ben, do you think? Well, first of all, Kenny, I'm sorry for your loss. That's uh, that's incredibly hard. And I've been through that. Thank you. I'm sorry. Um, so, you know, I, I yeah, I what I would say is, um, you know, I, I think that Ben has I mean he's talked about this he's talked about this in interviews so I don't I'm not revealing anything that he hasn't said publicly before but you know he, he's he's had a lot of um you know he's had a, a lot of lifey things happen to him within the last bunch of years you know he had um a brush with cancer and um he and his wife Christine split up um, although I, I, I think that they are back together now and, um, and, uh, you know, he lost both of his parents in a relatively short amount of time. And I, I, I think that there's no question that that, you know, 
he, he's a different person now than he was when we were doing Tropic Thunder. I, you know, he's, um, I think he's a, he's a kinder person. He's, um, he's, um, you know, I think he's a more empathetic person. I think he's much more familiar with loss and, um, and, you know, and his own mortality and, um, you know, so, so I, I think it affects everything in terms of, in terms of how he is as a director. And, um, and, and honestly, you know, I think about, you know, some of our earlier collaborations where, you know, his instincts were really, you know, especially in Tropic Thunder towards this very maximal approach. And, um, you know, there seems to be something in his life transition that goes along with his new, you know, his focus on a very minimal approach in this project. So, um, uh, you know, I think that it, it, it's, it's really been amazing. Um, you know, I think that as he has made the transition from being Ben Stiller comedy star to Ben Stiller director, um, you know, he is a, um, he is a, you know, you know, I, I, I liked every iteration of Ben, but, but this is a very warm kind, um, and, and thoughtful iteration of Ben that doesn't, that feels like it doesn't need to be pushing so hard, um, both creatively and, and personally. So I, that, that, that's, that's, that's what I've observed. It's also very interesting to me, um, because Ben has been very um, excited about this series coming out in a way that, and very kind of vocal about this. Um, and why shouldn't he be? But there are a lot of kind of showrunners and directors that aren't, that are kind of like, that's my thing. I'm moving on to my next thing, you know, whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and it's really cool to see somebody who is, is jazzed up about a series and like not only cared about it, but still cares about you know, their, their baby going out to the world. You know, I'm, I'm so happy for him um, because I I don't think that there was any, there was no certainty in any of our minds that this show would catch on the way it has. And, you know, I mean, I remember I was talking, I was on the phone with him like a week before the reviews started coming out and we we were just like, we have no idea. We have no, like, I knew that it was really good. um, But, you know, it could so easily have been just something that a very small subset of the population got into. And for everybody else, it was just too weird. We had no sense of it. Um, And I think that for, you know, I think Ben felt so gratified to have done this thing that was such a huge undertaking and so daring and so creative and for have it land for so many people. I think that that was immensely. Yeah. It's such a great show. Really, really. Well, yeah, it it know, is a great, show. it's a rewatchable show. Like also. Breaking bad didn't. Yeah. I was going to say things like breaking bad didn't catch till like the third or fourth season. To, so to be able to not only have people latch on, but in season one, um, yeah. it's not an easy thing to do these days because there's so much stuff coming out. Um, so big congrats to you guys. Um, I'm a huge fan and, that cliffhanger ending, if people haven't watched it or haven't caught up yet, 
Um, that whole episode. I can't wait so to crazy. figure out <laughs> what happens next. And yeah, it was intense, man. I was sweating watching that. Um, but anyway, it, Teddy, thank you so much for joining us thank and you, Teddy. Uh, you know revealing some of the, the backstories of Severance and um, best of luck on future stuff. I don't know if you have anything you want to say you're working on or if you can, but um, Ooh, yeah. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I'm just finishing up um, Paul Feig's new movie, which is called The School for Good and Evil. It's It will come out on Netflix, I think, in September, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and it's really great. It's this cool. sort of big fantasy movie. Um, and it's a big, big camp you know, musically. It's a big canvas with a big orchestra and, you know, a, 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 a kitchen sink approach. Um, and, uh, and the movie is just like a lot of fun and Paul is a great director. And so, so that's amazing. That. September. All right. September. Very cool. Teddy Shapiro, thanks for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Teddy. Thank you guys so much for having me. It was a pleasure.